thank you very much, uh, Andrea and Sue, again, for that beautiful, special music. And dear friends in Christ, uh, prior to coming on board the staff of uh, St. Michael Lutheran Church in 2013, for the prior 13 years, I had the joy and the privilege of serving in the LC of a church body in one of its regional offices. And among the other impacts that I wore, one hat I really enjoyed was and had the opportunity to visit and work with a number of Lutheran churches and schools across the United States and Canada. And one of my most uh, memorable ministry moments from those years occurred in 2011 on a visit to West Portal Lutheran Church and School in San Francisco, California. Now, West Portal Lutheran Church and School serves the south part of the city of San Francisco, the very large Chinese community that was there, sharing the gospel, the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And in one of the visits that I did there in 2011, I spent a little time in one of the second grade classrooms observing this very outstanding young Christian educator, just a tremendous servant of the world. Just had such a passion and fire for Jesus and effective use of the church. So as I was reading the classroom, uh, she said, Ken, can I uh, stop you for a moment? I'd love you to meet one of my second graders. And I said, of course, I'd love to. And his name was Six, and he was a, a teenage boy. And like a lot of the kids in the school, he was living in a multi-generational home. And she said, you know, the story story. So I listened to Six, and he told me the story about the college Sunday, after finishing dinner, and he cleared his plate, and Sam Fox told him to go in the living room and go play with the Buddha. And he said, no. And the uncle said, what? He said, uh, go pray to the Buddha. And he said, I'm not going to do it. He said, you're going to do it, grandson, or else. So, said, what happened? He said, I didn't pray to Buddha. And I got punched. And I got punched very hard. And I said, why didn't you listen to the answer? And he said, because I had learned his fear that Jesus is the only way God and there's just no way I could pray to anybody other than Jesus. Now, to me, that was a very touching testimony to hear. From a little eight-year-old boy to see on his heart and mind the fact that Jesus Christ was beginning to work in his life. And he was starting to come to grips with the reality and the true story of who Jesus is and what it means to follow him. Now, you and I today may literally not face the prospect of bowing down and praying or worshiping to a false god like a Buddha or Baal of the Old Testament. And I think sometimes we think in 2021 that idolatry and false gods, that's sort of a challenge and a sin of a bygone era. That's such an Old Testament type of challenge. And unless somebody is into some kind of Eastern mysticism today or something similar, it's really just not a big change. And I think the reality of our lives and our faith in 2021 is nothing to be further from the truth. I believe the reality is that idolatry is a surprisingly modern and very pregnant challenge for Christians as we live out life and life in our culture today. And as we know, idolatry is not just confined to bowing down to a golden statue or praying to a wooden temple. Tonight, we kick off a new four-week sermon series here at St. Michael titled, True Story. Well, we're going to be looking at how embracing truth is the key to living the life that God has planned for us. And tonight, we're going to kick it off, True Story, 
by looking at, at the challenge of false gods in our lives. Now, we see in the Old Testament text that David read for us a few minutes ago, the prophet Daniel is calling out King Balthazar of Babylon for his idolatry. Now, this may be a story about Daniel from the Old Testament that we're not as familiar with as other stories. Perhaps the story of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, or the story of Daniel and the lion's den, as depicted in, and what's not a good video? I was like a very good video Pastor David picked out with a good overview of the book of Daniel. But tonight we're going to be looking at a less familiar story, but a very important story regarding the topic of what we're looking at tonight. And it takes place during that very dark period of time, during the Babylonian captivity, where the people of God, Judah, was going to arrest them. And let's revisit two verses from that Old Testament text. From Daniel chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. But you, Belshazzar, here Daniel is speaking to the king, and scholars believe that Belshazzar, by way of a comment here, was even the son or perhaps the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. But he's talking to the king and says, You have not humbled yourself, though you knew all of this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you and to your nobles. Your wives and your concubines drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hands your life and all your wealth. Since Daniel here is calling out the king of Babylon on his idolatry, He's calling out to kings on his side. And in our gospel text tonight that David read from Matthew chapter 6, Jesus reminds us in verse 24 that no one can serve two masters. You'll either hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money or whatever potential false gods you want to fill in the blank instead of the living. Quite simply, we see tonight in our Old and our New Testament text a definition of an idol or a false god. And it's this. When something or someone becomes more important than God, and even good things, very good things can become idols when we make them the ultimate things in our life. The truth is that anything or anyone can become an idol if we place the value for that thing, if we place the value for that person above our value or our need for God. Martin Luther, writing about the Ten Commandments, said this. In looking at Commandments 2 through 10, he said, these nine commandments really all ultimately flow from the very first commandment. The first commandment is so primary for living out our life. The first commandment from Exodus 20, verse 3, you shall have no other God before me. Now, at the time of Daniel, idolatry and false gods would look like bowing down to a golden statue. Today, in 2021, idolatry might look like. It might take the form of getting our identity or our sense of self-worth from our jobs or our grade point average. Idolatry or false gods today might look like it takes the form of being so tethered and connected to our technology 24-7 that we can't live without it. 
idolatry or false gods today might look at being so committed, so devoted, putting our trust and hope in the future so much into one political candidate, one political party, one political movement, that that person or that party becomes more important. We put our faith and trust in things of this world, political, more than we do God, who is sovereign and is in control, is what Gideon pointed out. The reality is this. Anything in this world has the potential to dethrone God as number one in our lives and become a false idol. And if we're honest, we all struggle with it, myself included. There are so many potential false gods and idols out there as we live out our lives and our faith. And Jesus, again, our gospel text today, says in Matthew 6, that we can't serve two masters. Put another way, I think he's saying we can only have one true first love in this life. Now, Christian pastor and author Ed Spector says this regarding embracing the truth, the reality of false gods in our lives. And he says, quote, Is it that 12-inch tall piece of wood or bronze statue that can do something bad to us? Or is it that we do something awful to ourselves as we seek meaning and place the adoration and attention meant for God and place it in other things or other people? When it comes to idolatry or false gods, he writes, the danger is not an item, it's an act, unquote. Martin Luther, 500 years ago, really said the same thing when he said an idol or a false god is anything that you devote your life to other than God. So as we enter into this sermon series, true story, tonight as we look to seek and break and embrace the truth of the life that God has planned for us, we're looking at our dialogue. And it's alive and well today, we're all trying to struggle with different competing false gods in our lives. Practically speaking, tonight I'd like to look at five potential areas of struggle. Five potential modern day false gods. And there are many more than that. But the five we're going to look at, and there are no order of importance as presented, I think are things that we often look to for meaning, we put our trust, we put our Hope for control in these things, rather than looking at the truth and the meaning that God has for us in Him, our one true first love. So the first of these five potential areas of modern-day false gods we struggle with is our identity. Our identity. Now there's great concern today in rightfully so about identity theft, right? There are so many ways and so many people and so many entities trying to steal our identities and our personal information. But if you think of identity in a little different way, I think sometimes in our sinful human nature, we misplace our identity. We lose our sense of identity all on our own. It's so easy, isn't it, to seek our identity, our sense of self-worth in something other than being that redeemed, loved, child of Jesus that we are. Sometimes we lose our sense of identity. We seek our sense of self-worth by that position that we have at work or by our high grade point average. Sometimes it's the social media following that we have or the skills and the abilities or the achievements that we can make. It's so easy at times to have our identities, our sense of self-worth, all of us of all ages. 
wrapped up in the wrong thing. And if we have our sense of self with our sense of identity wrapped up in the wrong thing other than the world, what happens when you reject God? The true thought starts to change. That semester comes along and we don't make the beginning for it. Our social media following starts to decline. Our skills and our abilities start to fade. If our trust and our identity are ultimately in such other false thoughts, if that's where we look for our security and our control, we feel like we never measure up in this life. God in the first commandment wants us to realize that our identity is secure in Him. We can live in the freedom of knowing that He loves us. That He's got this no matter what happens in this world, no matter what happens in our country, God is in control. And He will still love us. There's times that we fall short and there are days we will fall short. Our identity as a child of God will never fade away. It'll never perish. It'll never spoil. It is secure. A second area as we seek to live out for life, the true story that God has called us to. That is a challenging, competing culture. And this one is timeless. No matter what century of history you would live, no matter what generation you would born in, this is the challenge. It's the challenge of money and stuff. And I don't think today it matters if you're close to being broke or if you're very wealthy. Money and the things of this world, the constant pursuit to acquire more and better for all of us, at times can be a challenging task. It's so easy for all of us to put our faith and trust, our security and things material at times, rather than God. The Bible reminds us over and over again that God will provide for all of our needs. Right? He'll provide for everything we need. Maybe not all of our needs, but all of our needs. The Bible reminds us that uh, money is stored spiritually. A good thing. God is the maker and owner of everything. But it's so easy at times to put our security, our confidence, our hope, and our trust in things financial. To lean on such things ultimately and not the Lord. And it's the Lord who is the provider of all such things. If we live in a culture and a time that is so easy to trust things financial, money and material things protect us, to give us security, to give us confidence, to give us hope, to protect us. But the problem is this. If that's where we ultimately set our confidence and trust, it calls us away from the reality and the truth of what God intends for us in this life. Because the problem of having money and stuff be ultimately what we put our hope and trust in is this. There is just no way such things can live up to what we're trying to get from. Money and stuff cannot live up to the brain. If that is ultimately our true first love, we'll never be satisfied. We'll never have enough in this life to make us feel confident and secure. As Jesus says in our gospel reading tonight, Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And he says three verses later in verse 24, you can't serve two gods. Why? You can only have one true first love. Why? Because otherwise they love you and hate the other. Now, a third area of our potential struggle is we live out our lives with faith and keep calling that God has for us. And this is not just a concern for the young, it's the area of entertainment. 
I think increasingly people of all ages were becoming more obsessed with having to be entertained in some way. And this can be from Netflix to video games to taking more and more vacations and podcasts. We love entertainment in so many forms. Screening and stimulation is so important. Screening and stimulation is so part and parcel of so many of our lives. But again, like other potential false gods like money, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Entertainment's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. My wife, Laura, and I love to binge watch good series on Netflix. We love to take vacations. We love our screens. It can be a very good thing. But the problem is this. If the need to be entertained becomes more important than our walk with the Lord, it has the potential to dethrone Him in the importance in our time and how we ultimately live out our lives. The life of service is called a sin. Entertainment in all of its increasing very forms is a gift from God. But like any false God, any idol, the key is to worship the giver, and that's a gift. A fourth area of potential struggle today, as we try to live out that true life and calling that God has for us, with God being our true first love, is in the area of comfort. Now, work with me on this one. Yes, comfort. Today, life is filled, isn't it, with pictures, with products, and services to simplify life. To add comfort. Who doesn't like comfort and ease so we can do more fun things in life? In many ways, I would have to say today, our lives are easier and more comfortable in terms of not having to do backbreaking labor in every task than probably any other time in history. Tasks that used to take all day can be done now in a matter of minutes. Many formerly menial tasks are now automated. Now, while this reality has many pleasing benefits, our pursuit in life, our plan for life, the plan for this life that God has in store for us, has blessed us with, should not be for comfort alone. To me, as you read through the Gospels, the Gospels do not call us to a life of comfort and ease. Rather, Jesus says, pick up the cross and follow me. It's a life more about service than comfort. The Christian life is more about faithfulness than ease. Now, our comforts are a blessing. Don't get me wrong. I love my comfort. Yet, comfort can be an idol or a false god at times, perhaps, when maybe God is calling us to be about something more difficult. And fifth and finally, and this one may hit close to home to some of us, or family members we know, and it does to be at times too, and that would be our family. Our related smart devices, laptops, whatever the technology might be. For many of us, of all ages, it's not just the young are on their phones all the time, okay? It can be, technology can be a challenge in terms of how we spend our life, our time, or the resources. Having to be connected constantly to an online presence, having to be on our phone, on our laptop, engaged and connected, can be all consuming. It can become very addictive. It can be something easily it's hard to work without. And I think it's rapidly becoming a challenging false God in terms of what can we devote our time, our energy, our passion to in this life ultimately. For some of us, it's hard to even take a shower. Or go to the bathroom. <laughs> without checking our email. 
How many people should I drop their phones in <laughs> water-filled areas? <laughs> you know, how many of us, you know, is it maybe our time we spend the hours we may spend a day scrolling through Facebook or how much we tweet or some other platform? In this TGIF era, and I've used this incident before, TGIF, Twitter, Google, iPhone, and Facebook. This TGIF era, I think it's a struggle, and I, I struggle with it too. Yet, like with any potential false god or idol, the problem isn't the phone, not the laptop, not the streaming service, just like it isn't the money, it isn't the job, it isn't the comfort, it isn't the entertainment. Each of these can be blessings from God. The problem is the value we place on it that can make it a problem. And again, many of us struggle in this area. If our lives revolve around how many likes we get on a post, how many followers we have on social media. If we just can't constantly pull ourselves away from cable news, or maybe it's really easy to pull ourselves away from cable news, or we just have to constantly keep that news feed refreshed, we might have an idol. Now, for all these five areas we looked at, and for many others, we need tonight to go back to our very successful of an idol or a false An idol is anything that takes the place of God in our lives as number one. Put another way, when a good thing becomes an ultimate thing, ultimately it can become a very destructive thing in our lives. Again, Jesus in our gospel keeps reminding us, you can't trust him. There was one in his name. As we wrap up our time in God's words tonight, with God's help, I'd like us to consider four questions by way of reflection, four questions by way of a self-check. Now, I think if we regularly ask ourselves in our lives these questions, it will, one, help us to keep our priorities straight. Number two, it will help keep up there, keep up check potential false idols or gods in our lives. And number three, help us focus on our one true love for real. Four questions are this. Question number one, where do I spend my time? Where do I spend my time? Number two, where do I spend my money? Number three, where do I get my time? And number four, that always seems to be on my mind. I think this inventory, keeping these four questions in the forefront, can help us keep the competing false gods in our lives in check and help us by the power of the Holy Spirit to draw closer to that one true first love and embrace the truth and the meaning of the life that God has. Call it a In Jesus' name, amen.